and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Ethan. And I'm Vanessa. Vanessa, uh, how are you doing today? You doing well? Yeah, of course. I'm always doing well when we're talking about MASH, as I've said multiple times before. <laughs> of course. It's uh, it's the light of my life as well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before we get into this episode, have you been watching anything or reading anything that is uh, unrelated to MASH, just to show that we uh, have a bit of a life outside of the show? <laughs> yes, actually, I have been. Um, so I've been reading um, Interview with the Vampire by Anne Rice. And it's just, it's so wild and so crazy. I love it. Uh, and I picked it up because, unfortunately, Anne Rice passed away just a couple weeks ago. And she was this, just this really great, iconic writer. And I, I looked up what the book was about. And I just, I fell in love with it. I was like, I have to get this. Um, yeah, so that's what I've been reading. And then I watched West Side Story last night. And you know, wasn't crazy impressed, but it was it was pretty good. I'm surprised that uh, you don't like West Side Story. I mean, I haven't seen that movie yet, but literally every review, everything I've seen of that movie is like, it's a masterpiece. It's Spielberg at his best. It's Tony Kushner being like the best screenwriter that's ever existed. Uh, what was off about it? So for me, it was, um, I didn't think the acting was like great. I can't even say that entirely. I didn't really care for Ansel Elgort in it. Um, he wasn't great. And I mean, that's I, understandable. <laughs> I thought that uh, the pacing was a little bit off, but I, I, I have that. Um, I feel that way about a lot of older musicals that it, they're just a little bit too long and they don't do much to like drive the plot. But visually, it was really nice, and I think it was well directed. Um, but also I, I have an issue <laughs> being from New Jersey, I guess I have an issue with fake New York accents and everyone had a fake New York accent and it was so annoying. It's just like, you don't have to do that. We understand that they're from New York. Like we get it. Visually, I've heard that there's an incredible shot of a puddle in that movie. And I don't know if you know exactly what everyone is yeah. referencing, but like, I want to see this movie just to see this puddle. And that's such a weird uh, desire to have. Be like, I want to see the puddle. That's the $10 million shot right there. The fact that that was what people were so hyped about is very weird to me because it was very like throwaway. I mean, it was cool, but it was very throwaway. <laughs> but anyway, what about what about you? Enough about West Side Story. What about you? What have you been reading or watching besides MASH? I mean, I've been, I guess you could say, feeling nostalgic, blah. And I've been rewatching a lot of Adventure Time. And that show is so good. It's so weird. Uh, early on in that show, it's it's a very different show than what it becomes because Adventure Time is one of those first like 2010s cartoons to be like, hey, what if we take ourselves really seriously? And we have like this crazy storyline, but it starts out just being like a dumb, weird kid show and seeing like the early days of that is so interesting knowing that that show eventually takes itself a little too seriously it's very strange <laughs> have you yeah, ever I've, seen adventure time no i've never seen it and like i don't know just something about it just seemed so strange to me i was never really into cartoons after i got out of you know being young i mean i i feel like i am more now but definitely not when i was like 13 14 
And You're not a uh, a man child like me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not that there's anything wrong with it, of course, but like you know, it just wasn't for me. And I feel like I can't go back and watch it now because it was such like a relic of its time. Yeah, it's a very early 2010s kind of humor. Uh, it's very like internet influenced, like early YouTube. I greatly enjoy it, but I fully understand people who try to watch it in 2022 or whatever. And they're like, this is incomprehensible. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it, th this is for its time period. And if you were outside of that time period, it's like, okay, well, maybe maybe this isn't going to work for you. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so let's get into this episode. This is a very big episode. This is a very important episode. This is uh, this episode, Dear Dad, in which Hawkeye writes a letter uh, back home to his father telling him, uh, just various things that have happened around the 4077th around Christmas time. This episode is first of many. There are many uh, Dear Dad episodes, aren't there? Yeah, so this episode is the first of three, I'm pretty sure. Only three? Yeah, and it actually carries into, um, I think, the second or third season. They have, you know, Dear Dad Part 1 and Dear Dad Part 2, and then in Season 2 or 3, it's Dear Dad Part 3. So I, I, I always think it's really cool when... A show that's supposed to be really insular, like a sitcom in the 1970s, does that cross-season, cross-series kind of referencing, um, because you don't get that a lot. And I thought that this was really, just really special. Like I've said before, I've seen up to about season four. And when I was watching it, they had like two or three Dear Dad episodes, and I think they had multiple in one season like i think there is another one uh yeah it's in coming up in one. season one yep yeah so i assumed that it was just going to be a reoccurring thing throughout the entire series these these dear dad episodes where the structure is a bit different it's more uh vignette -y. it's more little scenes of little things have happened rather than uh a major overarching storyline and I just kind of assumed that throughout the 11 seasons of the show, that they would return to that more than three. I'm I'm surprised there's only three. Yeah, I think we were talking about this uh, a little bit before, but if you go into the series kind of knowing that there's going to be these Dear Dad episodes, you can kind of watch the entire show through this lens that Hawkeye is just writing back to his dad about all of these things that have happened at the 4077. And obviously, that's not the way that the show is created or how you're supposed to view it. But you can kind of do it that way. And I I really like to do like kind of watch old episodes as if Hawkeye is writing back to his dad, because I just think it, it kind of gives it a spin. And if you've seen it as many times as I have, it, it's kind of fun to do it that way. Uh, yeah, you uh, you mentioned this earlier. And I love that idea. I love uh, little things like that where it doesn't necessarily change the entire show. Like it doesn't make anything necessarily different, but it does kind of recontextualize how you experience it as a viewer. I yeah, exactly. love stuff like that. That's my favorite kind of fan theory. Yeah, definitely. It's It's really fun. And this episode is just in general, I think pretty good, even though it doesn't have that kind of structured plot as we've seen up until this point do you want to kind of just get into each scene that 
Hawkeye talks to his dad about? Is that how you want to structure this episode? <laughs> yes, I think that's the uh, the best method. Um, this episode is kind of a spotlight episode for a bunch of little minor characters, not necessarily focused on Hawkeye and Trapper, although they get some story. Uh, there are there are pretty significant scenes where it's uh, characters we haven't gotten a lot of yet. So let's uh, let's get into it. Yeah. So what I noted down right off the bat was that when Hawkeye kind of opens up the letter to his dad, he says that they're in this lull period where there hadn't been that much fighting. And I thought that that was really interesting because we haven't gotten a lull period up until this point, I'm pretty sure. We had gotten the storylines of like, oh, so much fighting and like day after day after day of surgery, but never a lull period. And it was it was really fun to see what the camp was doing in a period of not having to operate every single day, every single minute. Especially at Christmas time, which this episode takes place at. It's It definitely is a cool look at the camp. Um, we get a lot of first for this episode, which we'll get into. But right now, let's talk about the first little segment of this episode where Henry teaches the entire camp about sex education for <laughs> some reason, because I guess that's a military mandate. Why not? Uh, what do you think about this little bit? Actually, before that, though, can we just address the fact that Radar is mailing home a Jeep for some reason? <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, of course. I, I almost forgot. So right before we get into the first like little scene where uh, Henry is teaching sex education for some weird reason, we get this just kind of preamble into Hawkeye's letter to his dad. And he says that Radar is just doing this old army bit so apparently this is very common i don't know this, yeah, mailing home a a Jeep? Thing. yeah i had no idea um, <laughs> that's so strange so <laughs> i haven't done like research so if you're listening to this episode uh don't quote me as fact <laughs> but this is um one of those urban legends that may or may not be something that like genuinely happened where i believe this particular little uh skit i don't know what to call it like this little bit with uh radar is based on the idea that um in world war ii they would like send military families a jeep like you could get a jeep for free from uh like the military but the condition was that you had to build it yourself so you just got like an army surplus box of just wheels and axles and like <laughs> engine parts and you had to put it together yourself it's one of those things that may or may not be true uh, i haven't looked into it but i believe that's where this idea comes from and i love that radar is doing that because it also implies that like radar thinks he can put a jeep back together bit by bit <laughs> and uh, I want to watch him do that. I think that'd be a fun uh, little adventure to witness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if Radar can take a Jeep apart, he can put it back together, right? Like, you know, maybe. <laughs> In theory. <laughs> In theory, yeah. <laughs> Assembly is much more difficult than deconstruction, if we're being honest. <laughs> uh, but I love this bit. This, this bit was really funny because it's like, what? Is he planning to even do <laughs> with a military jeep back home whenever he gets home? <laughs> I know it's so crazy. And one other thing, also before uh, 
we get into more of the episode, uh, there was this little continuity error that I don't know if you picked up on. Hawkeye references that it's almost Christmas, and he references that back home in Vermont, where his dad supposedly is. Um, I feel like it's well known, but Hawkeye made reference to his dad living in Vermont, but he is from Crabapple Cove, Maine, um, in the rest of the series. So I thought that was a funny little little continuity error. Okay, so... I actually didn't know that this was a continuity error. I just wanted to bring up the fact that I didn't know that he was from uh, Vermont, but apparently he's not. He's a he's dirty run liar for this episode. <laughs> That's funny that you thought he was actually from Vermont. No, it was just a continuity error. <laughs> Is it a continuity error if it's the first time it's brought up and then they decide to change it later? I don't know. To me, it is. <laughs> That's a, uh, what we call in the comic book industry a retcon. <laughs> Knowing Hawkeye's character so well, it's, it was kind of jarring. I actually went back and I listened to it again. I was like, did he just say Vermont? <laughs> because I was like, he's from Maine. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Maybe his dad is living in a retirement home or something in Vermont this week. He I mean, maybe they're around. vacationing. You don't yeah, know. Maybe he's vacationing in Vermont. Who knows? <laughs> so the first major scene in this episode, other than Radar mailing himself a Jeep, <laughs> is uh, Henry teaching the camp sex ed for some reason and it having to be explicitly uh, marital sex ed, which <laughs> is a very 50s thing and a very... Uh, just American puritanical thing in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought this was so funny because it was, uh, what, what did they call it? It was like the monthly morality lecture. <laughs> and the, the idea of Henry having to get up there and lecture the enlisted personnel about morality once a month is really funny to me. <laughs> yes, it's, it's an absurdist thing. And I hope that did, doesn't actually happen or didn't actually happen because it's just so weird. It's such a weird concept um, that I hope that this was invented by a, a comedy writer's brain. And it's so fun. This this segment for me is funny because of how much Henry just does not want to do it. <laughs> yeah. He's just fully like. He can barely say the word sex, and he's just so, like, trying to get through it, and everybody is is mocking him or, like, having their own little side tangents, and it's so, you can feel the, the awkwardness. This is a real case of, of cringe comedy from the <laughs> 70s. <laughs> I felt so bad for Henry because you could see it. He was struggling so hard to get through this lecture because he did not want to give it. Especially, especially it's funny because it's like, okay, it's supposed to be about marital sex and you're only supposed to have sex with the person you're married with. Meanwhile, Henry's married, carrying on an affair with a nurse. Almost all of them are carrying on affairs at this point in the show. It's just so, it's just so bad. And, like, it doesn't make sense in general to give this marital sex speech to a bunch of enlisted officers, because it's like, are they supposed to get married while they're enlisted? Like, I know people do that, but, like, is that such a common thing that they're like, we have to teach this to every all the 18 year old recruits is like, hey, 
get married first and then worry about it. It's, <laughs> it's just so weird. Yeah, I think it. I think it's more supposed to be like if you're not married, you're not supposed to be having sex, even though you're in Korea and you're, you know, risking your life. <laughs> just remember. But yeah, I thought it was really weird though that. It was just supposed to be the enlisted personnel. It's just like, okay, okay, why? You know what I mean? But you did make the point that it's the younger people. But there there are some good bits in this. Like, Henry has this uh, big diagram of man and woman, A and B, and just the shenanigans that ensue, like, trying to talk about this uh, stick figure diagram, I thought was very good. Yeah, Trapper said something along the lines of like, oh, like, what if figure A is attracted to figure B, but figure B is married to figure C, and figure A is engaged to figure D, like, stuff like that. It it was a very funny play on words. I really liked it. And then it. that ends with, oh, that figures, and it was like, <laughs> it's, a good, of it's a good punchline for that joke. And Frank and Margaret are also there for some reason, and... Hawkeye is like joking around and you know having a fun time and Margaret's just like oh you you dirty minded fool and meanwhile like she's also having an affair I know. like during this marital sex seminar she's the one judging other people who as far as I'm aware Hawkeye's not married and mm-hmm. not having an affair with anyone so like you know who's who's the bad guy here? Margaret? Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> and this hypocrisy, of course, carries over and continues. Okay, we've been talking about this for way too long now. Um, <laughs> so in the next scene, we get Hawkeye talking to his dad about Trapper, and I thought this was really cute because Hawkeye says that Trapper kind of made this, you know, side business, but it's him kind of running a clinic and being on call for the locals. And you get this scene of... of um, he gives a kid a vaccination, yeah, and it's, like, nice. Yeah, he's giving kids um, vaccines, and it's so cute. And then you get this local guy uh, run up to Trapper, and he's like, come, come here, come here. And you think that there's this emergency, but he's just asking Trapper to, like, help deliver a cow, <laughs> like, a pregnant cow's calf. It's so cute. Yes, this was... Uh, I like this one a lot. This episode has a lot more, like down and dirty with like korea which we'll we'll talk about a little later on with the end of this episode but this episode has a bit more interaction outside of the camp than we typically get uh at least so far in the series Mm -hmm. and i i quite liked that uh just trapper is is being a good doctor and like giving these kids vaccinations and like helping out and this like local community, it's like nice to see because it, it reminds you that like they're they're just good good guys and they're pretty altruistic. because uh, he's not they even say in the letter bit that like, oh, he gets paid seventy five smiles a day. Like he's not doing it mm-hmm. for for any payment. He's just doing it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and I feel like um I feel like more so because Trapper is like the sidekick to Hawkeye. You don't necessarily get a lot of he he's like less redeemable, I feel, than Hawkeye sometimes. Um, so I thought that it was He's cheating on his wife. Yeah, exactly. But I thought it was really sweet that he was helping out the kids because you get that humanity side too. Because yeah. Trapper has kids at home and obviously he cares about, you know, doing well in Korea or he wouldn't he wouldn't be doing it. He'd be like Frank Burns, but he's not, and I really enjoyed that. 
I have to mention before we move on, because this scene is very short, we don't have a lot to talk about, that I was watching this with subtitles on, and when the old Korean man comes in to get Trapper to help, uh, the subtitles just said, speaking in foreign language, and I'm like, you mean speaking in Korean? The, the language <laughs> that he would be speaking in Korea? Why not include that in the information Huh? <laughs> That's very strange. That's like super weird. <laughs> I hate when subtitles do that when it's just somebody speaking a language other than English and it just says speaking in Spanish or speaking in a foreign language. And like, meanwhile, the thing they're saying is like, hello, how are you? It's like you couldn't bother subtitling <laughs> that. It's not a lot of work. I know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So in the in the next little scene, we actually get I think you made reference to this uh, earlier on, but we get a little bit of side character kind of plot here mm -hmm. um, with Klinger and Father Mulcahy. And I really I really the liked this. Of Klinger. Yes, this was uh, great. Again, in my notes, when I saw Klinger, I all caps was like Klinger. And <laughs> what was weird about this segment was. The, uh, the idea of it is that Klinger's wearing this uh, bandana and Frank Burns wants him to take it off. And Father Mulcahy literally has to like talk down Klinger from like the ledge of throwing a grenade into Frank Burns's tent or something along those lines. We don't know exactly what he was going to do uh, with that grenade. But Father Mulcahy, he has to talk him through it and say, like, this is not what you're supposed to do. And I just find it so funny that Klinger's character becomes the guy who's, like, always in a dress, always out of uniform, uh, never wearing, never wearing uniform. And the entire conflict for this little segment is that Frank is mad that he's wearing a bandana while also wearing the rest of his male uniform clothing. <laughs> Yeah, I love the fact that it's like, okay, well, if you thought this was bad, you really haven't seen anything yet. Get ready, bud. <laughs> I really liked this, though. Um, first, I wanted to say that Frank is such a jerk, like always, because mm -hmm. right before this, right before he told Klinger to take off the bandana, um, he told Hawkeye to shave. And you can get that it's just like Frank's ne like need for control. Yeah, and he has like just five o'clock shadow. It's like yeah. nothing. Yeah, so he so Hawkeye basically tells him to like go screw because he's not going to shave. And then he starts in right after that on Klinger. And it's just so annoying. I just hated that. But then, of course, you get like the great interaction between Klinger and Father Mulcahy. And I wrote down in my notes, we stand Father Mulcahy because we absolutely oh, do. Yeah, he rules. I, I love him. Like, admittedly, in the stuff that I watch, you don't get a lot of good representation of like well-meaning religious characters a lot yeah. of the things that i watch they they tend to be more on the not evil side but more of like the morally ambiguous side you know so it's uh it's fun to watch this and have father mulcahy just be a good dude and be a good dude who happens to be religious um, I, I really like him and I really want to see more of him. Same with Klinger. I can't wait to, to see him evolve and become the character that he, he really is. Cause he's still kind of in, uh, in beta form here. Like he's not wearing a dress or anything. Uh, he's just wearing a bandana and he's like, my mom gave me this bandana. She said, never take it off. 
And then I don't think he ever wears that bandana again. <laughs> we love the continuity errors in this. But yeah, about Father Mulcahy too, what you were saying, to me, Father Mulcahy um, just symbolizes everything that a priest like should be. And I just, I really, I really love that. And throughout the show, he is just this force of good. And I just, I, I love it. And we'll, as you watch the show, you'll, you'll find more of that, obviously. But he's not overbearing with his religious aspect, even though he is a priest. And I just, I love it. And it's juxtaposed for laughs a lot of the time because, like, you know, he's this moral guy. He's a priest. But it's still really, really good. So I'm, I'm excited to get more into Father Mulcahy. I really like the scene between him and Klinger while Klinger's holding the grenade. Um, it wasn't like super high tension. It wasn't like you were like, is Klinger going to blow them all up? Yeah. Like, it was pretty clear that, like, this was going to de-escalate. But just the way they talked to each other was taken very seriously and, like, just very genuinely. And I really like that that was a good interaction uh, to have in the middle of this. You completely kind of understand Klinger in that moment because he's just, like, he's burnt out. He's exhausted and he's kind of, you know, losing touch a little bit. And Father Monkey, he just does a very good job of like talking him down and like working through it and i i really liked it it was probably my favorite bit in the entire episode yeah before we move on from this one i just wanted to note that jamie farr who plays Klinger, looks 10 years older in this scene than he does in the rest of the show which is so strange they must have He's dyed his hair hair yeah they must like, have dyed his hair yeah I know I noticed that, but like I'm not as familiar with the show as you are. So I'm like, oh, is Klinger gray in the temples? But I guess he isn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, not later on. It, it's really funny. Uh, maybe because they didn't think that his character was going to stick around. But yeah. So the next segment is Hawkeye uh, retelling his father about how he messed up a date between Frank and Margaret and this one was definitely more on the, the pure comedy uh, side of things. But we also do get a little bit more depth to, I think, Margaret's character in particular uh, with one little moment that we'll, we'll get to uh, soon enough. What do you think of this part? I mean, it was funny to me. I think that a lot of the pranks with like Frank and Margaret are based around like humiliating and like sexually exploiting margaret and i don't like that as i've mentioned before um but i thought that this one was actually just really funny it was it was pretty just like pure <laughs> and margaret has a line in this and she says why can't they just leave us alone and i'm like yeah you're right but also this is kind of funny <laughs> yeah it wasn't like they were putting them on display or anything they were just privately uh like messing with making them their their night a little weird yeah <laughs> the prank starts with uh hawkeye and trapper like replace a bunch of things in their tent and uh the first thing that frank and margaret notice is that this candle they every time they blow it out it just like relights it's a trick candle and like that's barely anything like that's barely <laughs> annoying they do more extreme things as it goes on or they reveal more extreme things but just having a candle not be able to go out 
is like barely a prank in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, and there's like pudding on Margaret's pillow, and for some reason <laughs> yeah, that pudding. that always stuck with me. Like I knew that that was gonna happen as I clicked to on to watch this episode. I was like, this is the pudding on the pillow episode. <laughs> you lay your head down, and you're like, whoa, why is it? wet and weird Ew. and you're like oh, oh it's pudding when she pulled her hand up i was like oh do they put blood on the pillow and she's like no it's pudding and i was like <laughs> oh okay <laughs> why not oh i love that this is also a segment where frank says why do hawkeye and trapper have to be so annoying why do why can't they leave us alone and he just goes they're like my wife and uh margaret not like fully breaks down but just after a second, like, oh, uh, like cries, like, no, yeah. <laughs> like kind of uh, realizing or reaffirming that they are having an affair. I thought Margaret's uh, acting in that moment was actually very sad. Yeah. So in that scene, she's kind of even when Frank makes reference to his wife and is kind of reaffirming that he is, in fact, married and they are, in fact, having an affair. Um, she gets really upset. And that actually happens a lot throughout the show. Anytime Frank references his wife, she Margaret gets really upset. And he's just like, well, stop having sex with a married oh, man. Frank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's an easy solution. <laughs> it was like the first time that we're reminded uh, as the audience that like, hey, he, this guy's married. Doesn't he uh, turbo suck? <laughs> like, <laughs> Frank is so bad. And I feel so bad for his wife. Because A, she's married to him, and B, a guy who's this lame isn't even faithful. Like, what the <laughs> heck, dude? That is literally so true. I can't wait till we get to... Uh, this is like... No, I, I'm not going to spoil it. Never mind. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> Along those same lines, though, in the very beginning of this scene, too, Margaret and Frank are talking about how there's like peace talks happening and they get so upset because <laughs> that's like the possibility of them like leaving each other. It's just like, oh, my God, what is wrong with the two of you? <laughs> Did you hear that there's peace talks? And she's like, oh, I'd never dream of it. And it's like, <laughs> oh, man, that is a. Uh... It's just so it's so on brand. I know, Margaret deserves better and she gets better but oh man oh man uh <laughs> she's not the greatest person in these these early episodes not in the first she? few episodes for sure not <laughs> remember how i said a lot of the pranks like are sexually exploitative of margaret and i don't like them and i thought that this one was funny well it kind of ruined it for me afterwards <laughs> because hawkeye kind of just like grabbed margaret and kissed her in like the next scene after the whole tent falls down on frank and margaret which was genuinely very funny that's a very 70s joke by the yeah. way just <laughs> a thing falling down <laughs> this happens a lot throughout the show uh, too where they're just like kind of grabbing margaret and like pushing their tongues down her throat and i just hate that and even though a lot of the times like sometimes she enjoys it sometimes she doesn't it's very gross to me and i don't particularly care for it it's not my favorite thing it wasn't like egregious in this particular scene but i just really can't stand that yeah i understand where you're coming from completely i'm not even gonna try to argue with you otherwise but for me because she kind of clearly was like really enjoyed it like afterwards she's like oh my uh that kind of kind of saved it for me from being anything creepy i just thought it yeah. was like a, a cute little moment given like what i thought it was cute <laughs> i'm just gonna be real 
No, no, yeah, definitely. Like this one was definitely cuter than more so than like other ones, other scenes, but compounding on top of like what i guess i know from the show i just uh, it just like makes me mad every time i see it whether it's nice or whether it's cute it just makes me like oh my god can we stop doing this please but to use a modern uh parlance or i don't know if that's the word but made me picture like people who like ship uh margaret and hawkeye together i was like (laughs) uh, somebody used that as their fuel didn't they but well it's funny too because it's just like okay like that that is cute for like people who do want to see them get together it's just like that is cute but it's just like no (laughs) sure then after that we get the final scene of the show like the final like situation um where Hawkeye is dressing up as Santa Claus for the local kids that Trapper was taking care of earlier in the episode. And <laughs> there was there was one line in this when it was when the scene was first opening up where Trapper is putting this fake pillow into Hawkeye's Santa suit and Hawkeye goes Hawkeye goes, If my father sees us like this, you'll have to marry me because <laughs> it looks like he's very pregnant. And it's Trapper so funny. just responds, I wouldn't marry you for five dollars. <laughs> I love that. I love these uh, bros being bros, no homo, (laughs) right? (laughs) Oh my goodness. So as Hawkeye is walking out as Santa, he comes, uh, Henry comes up to him and says that there's this wounded soldier on the battlefield and it's a chest case and Hawkeye specializes in chest surgery. So Hawkeye has to go. No time to take off the Santa costume (laughs) and he just has to like, go straight into battle essentially or like onto the battlefield visually it's pretty comical that hawkeye is dropping down onto the battlefield from a helicopter dressed as santa but like for me the laugh track like not having a laugh track made it really like somber and really serious and uh, especially with the with the bullets kind of you know ricocheting and the sound effects and whatnot and you have this like hawkeye is dressed as this you know kind of symbol of peace that's pretty well known this like jolly happy person um during the holiday season which is when you're supposed to be like spreading peace and joy and cheer dropping onto the battlefield and it's just it's so kind of hard-hitting in a not serious way and i really liked how that was done i was gonna ask you actually this is the first time that we actually see combat in this show, right? Like, we're we're never on the battlefield before this, I think. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure we're not. So Hawkeye, you know, he, he's transported to this battle site in the Santa costume. And first of all, he legit, like, propels down from a rope from a helicopter and every time there's a helicopter in the show, I'm like, are they actually on a helicopter, like, flying in the air? Because that's dangerous. Like, every mm-hmm. time I see him, I'm just like, that's dangerous. Don't do mm-hmm. that. And then he's, like, <laughs> army crawling to these wounded soldiers in this costume. And the, the soldiers are, like, making jokes like, you didn't believe in Santa Claus, blah, blah, blah. But it also just felt very real for, like, how uh, how goofy, the the like you said, the imagery is. But it also felt like something that you would like see as like a trivia fact in like a a newspaper or something. You know, somebody took this picture 50 years ago of this like doctor or soldier in a Santa costume in battle. Uh, It felt like one of those things. 
that you would see happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if I'm explaining myself very well. No, I understand what you mean. Yeah, definitely. I I think that I definitely know what you mean. Like, the oh, this this look at this crazy thing that actually happened during the Korean War, even though you know it didn't, but it feels like it could have almost. Yeah, it feels like something you would you'd see as a piece of trivia. Be like, yeah. oh, this happened on Christmas Eve, nineteen fifty four. Whatever. I'm making up a date. Uh, where it's like Santa was deployed into battle. Yeah, and I, I just for me again, like this scene just does a really good job of not being too on the nose of juxtaposing, you know, the ideas that war is not good and that we should have peace. And I thought that this scene, while still being in very typical Mash fashion of funny, was still kind of being critical of the whole the whole idea of war and that yeah these people still have to fight a war during christmas and or you know any holiday and not not good we shouldn't be engaging in that yes we uh we always have to bring it down we can never have fun on this show <laughs> yeah uh, i'm always the one who brings <laughs> talking it down <laughs> about the horrors of war um i just thought it was funny that he was dressed up as santa no i'm kidding <laughs> uh i i also found the, the imagery very very good and i like these uh this interaction that the soldiers had when he's coming to them yeah just uh keeping it somewhat light and it was very very tense to actually see a little bit of a battle um i don't know if we get that a lot but again i liked how this episode was a little more outside the camp than we usually get yeah, definitely. So after that, really, it kind of just goes into final kind of credits. Like, there's really nothing that happens after oh, that. The credits ruled, actually. It was really good, uh, right? I, I have to that. mention that the credits ruled. I love how, first of all, it's one of those beautiful cases where the name of the show is MASH, and MASH is like a real thing. Uh, so he gets to say... Uh, Merry Christmas from everybody in MASH. And then he says from Trapper and Henry and Radar. And while he's saying that, uh, it cuts to all those actors with uh, their names underneath, uh, like end credits style. And I love that. I I genuinely love that, that it, it was kind of uh, meta where it, it was saying Merry Christmas from the cast in MASH but also Merry Christmas from the characters of MASH, like, in-universe. It, it was good. I like that a lot. That was, like, my favorite thing. As yeah. a credit nerd, I was I appreciated that. Yeah, I really liked that as well. It, it was a lot of fun to see that, and I don't think that we really get that ever again, but it it's fun. I don't know. Like, something about it just was not necessary, but also so good to have in there. It ended on such a strong note. Yeah. I loved it. Me too. Do we have anything we want to mention before we, we kind of uh, wrap up, move on to trivia, and uh, conclude? All I have to say is that in this episode, before Klinger and Father Mulcahy have their little scene right before Klinger fights with Frank, Hawkeye says to Frank, you resemble an enema, and I laughed really hard. That was my favorite line. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I have any favorite lines. Uh, this episode was very good. It was very well written. Uh, it was also written by Larry Gelbart and directed by uh, producer Gene Reynolds, uh, the main producer of the show. But this one didn't stick out to me like dialogue wise. I was more like just kind of 
enjoying the the actual storytelling than being like, oh, this is a snappy one-liner. But good episode. Do you have any uh, trivia for us as we as we move on? No, not really. Not in this episode. Only the fact that there was that pretty glaring continuity error of Hawkeye saying that his dad is in oh, Vermont. Yeah, that that was honestly the only thing. And also, when you look up this episode, it's the only thing that people talk about. And it's like the continuity of him not being actually from Vermont, but Crabapple Cove. <laughs> well, I love that uh, the fan base for the show is still somewhat active, that there are people still debating these these small things sometimes <laughs> i i really enjoy it uh shout out to the mash subreddit i think those guys are really fun <laughs> yes we love the mash subreddit because i want to know the demographics but uh i also don't i want it to be a mystery i want to i want to know if it's whether like it's six year olds or a bunch of 20 year olds who are just like watching the show so to wrap up uh we'd like to give thanks to jacob Friarbelko for being our technical consultant uh, Vanessa's sister, Melissa, for our cover art. Thank you very much. And of course, our listeners, uh, links to our music and social media and where you can contact the show are in the description. And until next time, don't forget to wear a Santa suit into battle. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>